Jim Crenn, No Restrictions with Time DeFazio. Jim Crenn, No Restrictions. We are at Bloom's on the south side. Bloom Cigars. If you want the finest selection of cigars, try them out. Tell them Jim Crenn, No Restrictions, and you will get a discount like you will not believe. Just walk into Bloom Cigar. Check them out if you're a cigar smoker like myself or if you have a family member that is a cigar smoker. Also, we're brought to you by Yenzer Cards. Yenzer Cards are Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Proud Yenzer Cards, which are for your birthday, anniversary, wedding, graduation, whatever. And you can get them at all your giant eagles. On the show today, I'm excited. I got my buddy. He's nice enough to, to uh, stop in. He's one of the busiest people in the world. Uh, he's one of the best uh, magicians in the country who happens to live in Pittsburgh, which is great. My buddy Lee Trebozik on the show today. Hey, Lee, yes, how are buddy. you? Hey, thanks Good for having to see me. You, buddy. Also, gotta give, we got to give a shout out to our, our intern here. This is Andrew. Andrew, the intern. What's great? Hey, Drew, how are we doing? We got Nick, our new intern, honorary intern, right? Yeah. You're in. You're in the club now. Nick's in the club, of course, right, Todd? Yeah. And, of course, my sidekick and partner in crime here, Todd DeFazio. But uh, uh, Lee, back to Lee, who is, uh, has a show that you would not believe, 52 Up Close, Hotel Monaco, which I always call Club Monaco. I know, right? For some reason, I don't that's know why. A, that's a brand of clothing, actually. I think it's what it is. <laughs> yeah, something, huh? It is, yeah. It's, it, sounds, it sounds like somewhere James Bond would hang out. Yeah. I don't know. In Lee, Trebozik. I have a Bond Club Monaco Trebozik. shirt. But couple, I've yeah. been there to a Hotel Monaco show, and i got to tell you, it is a cool, cool, not the show. The show's fantastic, as I already know. It's tremendous. But the, the actual hotel's cool, huh? Very cool. Yeah, I it's love that art, hotel. It's man. the old Duquesne Light Building. Is that it's, what it is? It's an Art Deco building. It's so just it's got this very vibe. very ornate, and yeah, it's very cool and hip and artsy. A little and artsy. Intimate show, but very, I love it. very artsy. Very artsy. You want to get your artsy out of it. Get your art in. Get your wife or girlfriend get assy that shit. Very artsy. <laughs> and uh, say, so, but we were talking about uh, off. You might as well bring it on. Uh, our tough life, which is doing golf tournaments now. Yeah, <laughs> and it's for charity. And uh, yes, charity. Like I'm yeah. Mother Teresa in Calcutta. Uh. <laughs> I'm at Lakeview golfing. Yeah, country clubs every week. I'm like, they're like, thank you for doing the charity, Jim. Oh yeah, I'm just killing myself. I, know. I am feeding the poor gruel. Uh-huh. You know, Mother Teresa would be so proud in heaven. And Lee was at Bob Pompeyans on, on Monday pumps every year. with Donnie yeah. Aris. Donnie was my, my cart partner for the day. Donnie is the all-time golfer. He's a great golfer, good by the go- way. Really good golfer. Probably has like a, maybe a two or three yeah. handicap. I don't mean, let can, Donnie Aris hustle you on a golf tour. <laughs> he'll get you on a course so hustle you. Yeah. You don't think he's that good, but he's good. He is pretty good. And he'll, he'll get you on Kenny Wood's putt-putt, too. He can play <laughs> putt-putt like nothing. Yeah. He, well, yeah, he, he's, he, it's funny. I, I was with uh, in Larry Richards' tournament. And I was going to try to make it to that, but that was a Friday, correct? It was a Friday, yeah. And so I, I had make my shows off. on Friday, so I'd tell Larry I couldn't make it. So I, I, I was there, and Donnie goes, uh, is in, in the foursome in front of me. And he goes, uh, hey, don't hit me in the head. When <laughs> <laughs> oh. the drive, and I'm thinking, what does he mean by it? And I'm thinking, well, I've been dripping. And I remembered what he meant. Now, we, we used to golf all the time, uh, Donnie. You know, I don't get out as much as Donnie even in, on the road a little bit these days, but... Anyway, I had a drive. I had a weird stance where I would hold my legs like real far apart. Okay. Like strange. Like real far. Like where you'd like kind of laugh at me or make fun <laughs> of me or whatever. And for some reason, I can drive the ball 275. I'm not kidding you. Wow. And Donnie knew that. He remembered that. That's why he, because I was wondering, what does he mean, don't hit me in the head? Because he's in front of me, you know? And, and that's what he meant. When you're driving, look out for me. You know what I mean? So I remembered this, and I, and I remembered. I don't, because of peer pressure, or because everybody I meet, 
if I had maybe one bad drive doing that, friends would say, you know what, man, your your stance is all wrong, man. You got to bring your your legs in. Mm-hmm. You know? So you know, so they start doing that. They're going to more normal stance and hitting a ball 200, 190, whatever. And so I thought, shit, I forgot that. Let me try that again. So sure enough, man, I start hitting the ball like 280. Oh, uh, crushing it. Yeah. Donnie's there. Yeah, you don't hit me in the head. <laughs> and I'm thinking, my buddy, the guys I was golf with, hey, screw, screw it. Don't take advice from anybody. Whatever works for you. Yeah. That's the message to the show today. Don't take advice from anybody. Yeah. Just do your own thing. Do what works best. Do what <clears throat> works best. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't want to take advice. Yep. Right? Like, if Lee tells me, do the bullet trick, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, the bullet trick, people, we, uh, we were talking about how uh, David Blaine yeah, he's got does this That's, trick yeah. where he catches a bullet in his mouth. It's nuts. And that is completely insane. Yeah. And Lee tells me, because I'm thinking this is like a, a party trick, like you can buy the bullet trick no. in a store, and I could do it. You know, I'm thinking, but Lee is telling me no that this trick is like, that he's really catching a bullet. Well, the history of that that, uh, that I can't illusion that. has been there's been I think thirteen or fourteen magicians and since the, the the creation whoever came up with it first. Yeah, there's been thirteen or fourteen people that have died doing it on stages. First thing, yeah. so if you're gonna die during a trick, yeah. go to cut and restore the rope. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> a little you're easier, much easier trick. Go with the cut restore rope. That's a cut. Do the ring thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe twist the fingers. I don't know. But don't do the bullet. The bullet's nuts. Out there. Yeah. I, I actually, believe it or not, I used to do a version of it in my, my uh, college act. The version? Was that uh, they toss a bullet? Well, in? no. I would do it with a, <laughs> I, I would do it with a, a paintball gun. You, oh, I had you an airsoft paintball, paintball gun. I would catch a paintball in my mouth on the opposite side of the stage, but I would have the, the person initial the paintball. Like they a would sign, safer. They would put the paintball in the gun, and I would be and I would be on the other side of the stage, and I'd be wearing you know goggles, right. and but I would open my mouth, and I would let somebody literally fire uh, paint. a paint a paintball you, gun at me, which it? is still, and I would catch it in my mouth, and then I would you know, and I would take out a plastic bag, like a little little yeah. ziplock, bag, and I would spit it in there, and then you could, and I would seal it, and then I hand it to the person to verify that their their autograph was on the was on the so, so, so Blaine is catching. He's a doing the bullet. ultimate version of that. Dumb He's idea. catching a bullet. Yeah, yeah. So if thirteen people died, how often does Blaine do this trick? He's done it three times that I'm aware of in his career, and he. But you know, I mean, He's, he knows his. He knows of the danger, so he's oh, I think I think back, I sure. think his friends have kind of said that he doesn't need to, you know, because he he wanted, I believe he wanted to do it every night in his show when he was touring around the country. Yeah. Yeah. He's back on tour now too, so if you if he comes to your city, yeah. go check out David's show. It is it is really 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 good. Uh, I, I would do the bullet trick just on my birthday and Christmas. Just <laughs> is that the only time? <laughs> Two days. He's cur- he's currently closing his shows with the water torture cell, uh, but he's doing a breath hold. So I told it, him that. I told him that. <laughs> Always close with the water torture with cell. With the water torture cell. He does a 10-minute breath hold in, like, what, you know, it looks like a water torture cell. It's pretty cool. I mean, wow. he's he's a, an incredible athlete. I mean, that guy is, like, in serious. He trains with Navy SEALs and does free diving. And and I remember he did that trick, the, the holding the breath trick. Yes. And it didn't, wasn't successful. Well, the first time he did it uh, was on national television, but he, he had lived in that bubble for an entire week. And okay. when you're doing something that where you're going to be holding your breath for this amount of time, you can't. That put that took a toll on his body all week. Oh, so that's okay. why he he wasn't able to do it live on television. But if you remember, about a year later, I think he was on Oprah, and he broke the the international record on Oprah. He, he I held didn't his know that. he held his breath. So the, I think he did it on, when he did it on live TV, and Stuart Scott was the host. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Uh, he I think he held his breath for like eight minutes and like thirty some seconds, and he was going. The beat it he had to, he had to go like nine minutes and like fifteen seconds at the time. 
But then when he went on Oprah, huh. he did something called a Puro 2 hold. Okay. Where he actually was his regulator because when he was taking in oxygen before he goes underwater, yeah. he was breathing in pure oxygen. What that does is once that oxygen gets in your love and filtrates through your through your blood, it actually can double almost help double your time. It can make it a way easier to hold your breath. Okay. And when he did it on Oprah, he held his breath for seventeen straight minutes. Oh my god. Yeah. He's an wow. like I said, he's a he's a freak. He's my, kind of a my freaking is minute thirty two North Park pool. <laughs> I, I, did, I did a bullet trick once, Jim. You've done it? Yeah, my, my buddy Muddy shot BBs at my butt. BBs at the butt. Isn't mm, yeah. That's not bad. That's pretty dangerous, Todd. <laughs> I'll take that as danger. I didn't catch him. I think I it's just, safer to just hit my butt. Todd, it's, it's better to stay with the eating records. <laughs> yeah. You know? Most you can do is get a sour stomach. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do the bullet thing. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. It's stupid. But, but, I mean, it's fascinating. Matt. Magic fascinates me, man. I mean, do you love... Close up more than actually doing the bigger tricks. I do. Yeah, I, I when I got into magic as a ten year old kid, I, I fell into close up magic first. Actually, I got into magic when I was nine. Out by ten. Out by ten. That's usually Burned how out. it goes, though. That's how Much. it usually goes with kids. But you know, they they, so they discover sports or girls, and, and, and immediately they're in another direction, and, and magic's lost. And they just have this magic kit that they haven't looked at in 20 years sitting in their so, basement. So Lee gets his magic kit at 10, and you go with it. I Well, I, got a, I saw a magician at 10, okay. and I was fascinated by it so i begged my parents i said i want to i want to be a magician you know and, and of course they're seeing it just as a phase like right. as every parent kind of does yeah, you know he'll later. be because I, I was already playing soccer right. and black basketball and it was just like another thing for for the, my parents to truck me around the do half the 10 year old yeah doing magic no. so <laughs> not many out there so i i i asked i said i want to be a magician so they their answer to this question was let's take them to the carnegie library and and we're going to check out magic books yeah. And they're gonna make me read them, All and right. they thought this was gonna be a punishment. You know, like, oh, you're gonna make him read his read <laughs> books. Like, he said, this is how it we'll works. We punished the magic out of him. <laughs> yeah. So I I got these. I got to the no Carnegie. No son of man's gonna be a magician. <laughs> they, but I got these books from Carnegie Library, and 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 I was off. I I didn't look back. I was the kid underneath the, the blankets at night with the, the flashlight reading reading. You know, sleight so of hand. I was obsessed. Yeah, I became obsessed for that summer, and it just never left. Were you I started at the point performing. where I remember when I was a kid, seventeen years old. 18 years old, 18 years old, I graduated from high school, I was at a, a graduation party, and there was a, a young man, 18, 19, whatever, same age, I mean, Paul Gertner, yeah. magician, one of the best, the best in the world, probably, the close best. up, but uh, he's from Pittsburgh, and Paul, I don't know this, he's a magician, I, what do you do? He goes, I do, I do magic, he looks at me, he goes, what do you do? I go, I'm a comedian, now mm -hmm. we're 17, you know, we don't flinch. Yeah. Like, what do you want to do for your life? And he goes, I'm going to be a magician, man. Yep. Like, I'm going to be a comedian, man. So we became friends. But anyway, we became friends from there and worked together a lot early days. And But Paul spent eight to ten hours a day in his home, just in his apartment, practicing magic. And, yep. and I mean, that's what his neighbors thought he was a drug dealer. He used to joke <laughs> about because he'd never leave the yeah. place. But, he, but that's how – did, did you follow that same path as far as doing yeah. 10 hours a day, oh eight hours God, a day in yeah. the room? I would spend hours and hours and hours learning shuffles and cuts. and all The sleight of hand that I do, it, you know, it, it, to, to, to get it to those levels, it, I mean, it takes the dexterity and, you know, muscle memory to learn these things and put them together. You know, it's, it's – it's, I can't even put in the words. I'm gonna, probably thousands and thousands of hours just to learn one type of shuffle. No, we yeah. fast forward uh, about a year or two later. Paul and I got our first gig together at the Candle Glow Inn in Millville. Oh yeah, and we got fifteen dollars <laughs> each. We were crushing back then. We were roll we made it rain uh, in money. 
15 each. Uh, what did what was your first gig? Were you, you remember your, where my it was? First gig was you know, first well, paid gig where you felt first, like a real pro. I felt like a real pro, that pro night. gig. So I had done a couple birthday parties and whatnot, but my first real program that kind of like kind of changed the course of my career was I walked into a Pizza Hut in Lincoln Place, is where That's I grew big. up. And the that was my goal to work. Still my goal actually to work Pizza Hut. Work Pizza Hut, baby. That's my goal. That was, but that was awesome because they, I was doing magic tricks. We were, me and my friends were getting ready to go bowling, which was bowling alleys across the street. So we sat down, we're eating pizza, and I'm doing a couple card tricks for my friends. And the, the waitress came over and she said, "Are you a magician?" And I said, "Yes." And I did, I did some, I did a trick for her. And, and and then she said, "Hey, she came back to the table and said, hey, she goes, do you want to work here?' You made her tip disappear, kidding? No, but you really. She so offered she, me a job. Booked you there? She booked me, and wow. but I thought she was booking me to like make pizzas. Right. I didn't know she wanted me to That's actually do magic. <laughs> but the gig was this. She goes, oh, you can come in here every Tuesday night, do magic for you know it's all that's kids' night. Walk around, do magic." He goes, and she she said, "We'll pay you fifty bucks, and which we'll, is a ton of money. Which is a ton of money. When you, I'm sorry, you I, said I was thirteen. So you're thirteen years old, yeah. making fifty bucks, which is a lot a of video game and, money, and all the pizza I could eat, free pizza every night. That's, That's kind of heaven. So, oh, actually, I, I take that deal right now. I, I all too. I cared about was the pizza, <laughs> right? Like, I, so I every Tuesday night I would go down to the Pizza Hut. My mom went before I was, you know, up until I was sixteen. She'd have to drive me down, and I would do, I would go do my gig for two hours. I walk out with fifty bucks and a full stomach of pizza. So you're thinking, hey, this is life, man. This is awesome. And 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 at the time, you know, putting two hundred dollars a month in my pocket enabled me to buy more magic tricks and, and enabled me to like further the buy more books and you know and find right, stuff right. to use in my act and, and the act started to grow. And I went from doing, you know, I would pass out a little. How old uh, when you started to really get like moving on the road a little bit? Are you nineteen, twenty? That was probably like I probably started doing road gigs right around like twenty years old, Uh, probably like a first year of college. Because I remember doing performing at a couple colleges when I was in college, so it was like performing for my peers in a way. Uh, Which was kind of like intimidating at first, but I, I found out that was like the. I loved performing in the college market. Were like, you aware of the the money and the make it? Because I I wasn't like doing st- stand up when the comedy club started booming. So I didn't you know I was driving. Next thing you know, two years I'm flying, mm-hmm. yeah, lining, yeah. When, when not, but I'm not aware of it until you look back at it. That, you know, the, I wow, had well, I had great guidance quick. though. I had happen? Paul. I had Paul Gertner as my mentor, which was he cool. That, mentor. That's the funny thing I would bring in. Yeah, Lee actually meets my buddy Paul Gertner as time Paul, goes on. I met Paul on Southside mm-hmm. the night you you introduced him at Ten Fingers, right mm-hmm. down the street from here at yeah. the. Uh, City the Theater. theater yeah. mm-hmm. I was in the audience that night because my godmother dated Paul Gertner in high school. Isn't that so funny, man? <laughs> yeah, I, I, so, yeah, it's a So when she Small saw world. my interest in, in, in magic, she said, oh, my God, I, I dated this magician. He's doing a show. She said, I want to take you to it. I see you, uh, you know, introducing Paul, right? And then after, after the show, I go up and I meet Paul for the first time. And obviously, he's, like, blown away because my godmother is someone he dated right. and hasn't seen her Old in 20 friend, years. So. You know? But she said, Paul, if you if, if you know if you can if you know if you could teach Lee a couple couple tidbits of you know some tricks or some, yeah. some give him some guidance, and he did. I would go to his office every every six months because my my dentist at the time was in Etna, and that's where he had his office. If you yeah, remember, I do remember. And I would go to I would go and I'm stopping and I would see Paul, and every six months he'd go, hey, like he would show me a couple things and say, or he gave me his book. And he said, "Come back when you can do a couple of these tricks out of this, you know, to, out of the book." To give people depth of Paul Gertner, this is a man who did the Johnny Carson hosted yes. Tonight Show. He was on Carson three several, times. Yeah, yeah, but three times, and, and he was winner of so many awards. Oh, he won and, Fism and whatever. And it's all yeah, the IBM. The, yeah. I'm legitimately like a god the in best, magic still yeah, till this he's, day. Yeah, he's considered a champion of, of magic out there to know how big he was or is yes. right now. 
So it was crazy that he was willing to even, you know, take, take the time. time and and then over over time, we perform, we we create, you know, I I formed an incredible relationship with him. He he became my best friend in magic, as my mentor. And you know, I've I've gone on the road with him around the country. I've helped him produce shows in New York. Uh, actually, the show that he, you know, I helped him produce in New York. The next day, me, him, and another magician from New York, we went and we found Houdini's grave. In, in in Queens, and that led to me well, me creating Houdini 100. The funny thing is, we were at uh, Lee was not, uh, just got his, a new condo, and he invited Paula and I over yeah. to prison it, and we went over there and had a little drink there. We're, we're bringing out this magic book and that uh-huh. trick, and and we were pointing at that trick, and and uh, I know you Lee was looking for like a, a big trick to do, and we all were talking about that, and that kind of was in the back of your mind, I'm sure, for a while. We just said hey that would be and we looked and saw the date yeah the date was November. coming up a year well no that, that, so when we close, met right when we no, mm. actually when we did that so he gave me i went to see houdini's grave and that was may of 2010 okay. and that's when he gave me the book the same day okay. when we got back to pittsburgh oh the book i saw in your the condo book that you okay. saw the, with the, the black and white photo right. of houdini, houdini hanging upside, upside down in downtown now. pittsburgh so it was probably i think maybe a year later when i had you guys over okay or maybe six months. So okay. it was. It was a while ago. A while ago. And then, talk, oh, okay. I can remember. And how far then I had said, like, you know, I still have like three or four years before to we put, hit it. Yeah. To put to, to before the date would, uh, you for know, the, the anniversary, the anniversary of that hundred year. Yeah. And so, and over the course of that time, you know, obviously telling you about it, talking to Paul about it, and then starting to get, you know, get all these build deep, that up. build build the. I, I want to say the pieces of the puzzle to create that to give the listeners uh, an idea what this is. This is Houdini. Uh, uh, did a trick in Pittsburgh uh, many hundred years ago uh, to the day that Lee did the trick, which is uh, on a crane. <coughs> well, so when Houdini did it, he did it off the building, the Pittsburgh Post Gazette building. He did it hide, or hanging off the building, uh, and on it was on November 6, nineteen sixteen, at the corner of Wood Street and Liberty Avenue, hanging so off that, the building. That was the photo. Upside down gets out of a straitjacket. So Lee, take it away. You you did yours. So years I later. I looked at that photo and I wanted to replicate that exact idea for mm-hmm. Pittsburghers of today. Give the Pittsburghers of today the same feeling that Pittsburghers of two. 1916 got the witness when they watched Houdini perform it. So I put together Houdini 100 and I announced it 100 days out from the November 6th. And then, you know, but it was a giant, you know, production you know, puzzle to put together. It was I, a huge problem. You're stopping traffic. It's, it's, it was blocking downtown. roads. We had thousands and thousands of people. Show 5, up. Over 5,000 people showed up, over 165,000 or something like that online. It was pretty phenomenal. But I, I, have, I was there, obviously. Uh, I'm watching you up there upside down and. How dangerous is it? Oh my God! Very dangerous. There's there's a lot of things. A lot that of things can go, go wrong. wrong, right? Um, you're putting your life in you know a crane and a crane operator's hands. I was down there ready to catch you. I brought my. Uh, well, I uh, brought Franco Harris for that. <laughs> Franco was there for <laughs> catch, but I also had my baseball mitt. Uh, you had the me. baseball mitt. I had a baseball mitt to catch Lee in case Franco, you know, in case I waved him off. Yeah. I told <laughs> Franco that ahead of time. I said, look, if if I if it's in my angle, I'm waving you off, Franco. <laughs> and he said, no problem, Jimmy. <laughs> so luckily, we didn't have to do that, though. But I, I couldn't believe it. Now, the straitjacket, it's a legit straight. Where do you get? Where, do, where does one get a straitjacket? So I got my <laughs> first one state. from a mail-order company when I was 16. Wait, there's a mail-order company? Back then, yeah. There, I, for, I had a, there was a company oh out of uh, California okay. that would manufacture them or had, you know, had some. And yeah. so I, I had asked for, you know, I asked my mom. I said, hey, can, can you order this for me? And, they, you know, they shipped it over and then. I more or less, first time I got it, I had my parents put me in it, and I rolled around my living room floor for an hour trying to get out of it. 
And then I once I got out of it, because there's a, there's a, there's the there's a series of moves That's that you have to know. You might go to the movies. They put you in a straitjacket and leave for the movie. <laughs> yeah. So there's a series of moves you have to understand with when you're performing it. And, and as I would get out of it, I would you know get quicker and quicker and quicker. And then eventually that routine made it way made its way into my stage act. I would are close you, my you, shows with are it. Are you throwing your shoulders out of like? That's you, the Mel Gibson version. You're, you're, you're you don't have to dislocate anything. I was asking. Yeah, yeah you do. Because yeah. uh, that's what it looks like you're doing almost. You see the movement. Like you're, yeah. So you're not doing anything like that. You're, you're trying. I mean, you're, you, when you're in the jacket, you, obviously you're confined. In, but the level, the amount of slack that you have yeah. is very minimal. But even though it's very, very minimal, you can make it work to your advantage. And there's a way to maneuver, knowing the method of, of, of how to escape, you can in time you can get out of it and you can you can and with practice you can get faster and faster and faster so i then started to add it to my stand-up routine my comedy magic show it would, it would be one of my closers and i but i would always be doing it on two feet you know having that leverage to be able to get out of the jacket to mm -hmm. to maneuver so but when you're hanging upside down 100 feet up and blood's rushing to your head it's it's a different can of worms. You could pass out. So well, there's a very very you know high chance of you blacking out. When Chris Angel did it. He he blacked out once uh, performing. He injured himself. Uh, but when you're hanging up there in front of thousands and thousands of people, having that happen would have been catastrophic. Let so, alone we so would have been joking about that. I would I would have been hearing that from Pittsburgh. As oh yeah, it would have been, was, so been awesome. So I in couldn't a way, screw but, this. You know, thank God you didn't. There was no. I couldn't <laughs> screw this up. So what I did was for about. I don't know. I think it was like maybe eight months. I was in an inversion table, so I had an inversion table in my home where I would go in. So one of those you walk in, you were like a bat. I was like a bat in my house. Hanging no, I really down. was. There's ladies up and the down. First time I, you know, the reason why I was doing this because I was uh, trying to readjust the blood in my in my body, right? So that when I'm hanging upside down, I. I, I so can, you just watch TV? Is it like I would, TV? I, I, I would. I would. I watch TV. I would. I would be on my phone. I would emails. I would do. I would call. I, you know, I would text. I would watch television upside down. Yes, I would read books. I was a bat in my house wow. every couple days. To, and I, every time I would do it, I would add like another <laughs> 15 seconds or another 30 seconds. And eventually, over the course of those so many months, I built my time up to over 20 some minutes. So I could hang upside down for 20, 20 minutes, and get up get and, be, and feel completely fine. So I, I knew when I performed it that day on November 6th, I was, the, the routine was going to take a r roughly about 10 minutes. And it did. It took around 10 minutes right. and like 20 seconds. But you knew you had no chance. So I knew out. I was double that. So I didn't want to have that you know, weighing in the back of my head that I was rush, rushing against time. I wanted to feel very comfortable when I was doing it. Because at the same time, you're, you're hanging upside down in front of thousands of people right. 100 feet. Upset, you know, and you're trying to do all the same moves that I do on the ground, but I don't have, you know, they don't have ground. that leverage. The, the thing with tricks like that, when you're that dangerous, take that kind of training. We go back to Blaine with the the, the, the bullet, bullet thing yeah. and all that. For magicians in your head, after you do that trick, there's a certain rush, and there's and as any entertainer, we always want to push, try to take a little chances. Uh, it's a lot easier being a comedian impressionist that's just trying a new voice, and it doesn't work. You're mm -hmm. safe. You're live. Yeah. For you, yeah. <laughs> for magician, are you always looking for something <clears throat> that's almost a little more dangerous? I do, yeah. And I'm already thinking about the next version I'm going to do with the, the stunt. And I'm already working on it right now. And really? it, will, it will likely be happening in 2020. Are you back to the upside down <laughs> thing again? What's that? You practicing upside down yet? So I'll, I'll institute that about a year out. Oh, uh, I was gonna say you gotta let me do. It. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go. I have it. I have it. I'm gonna see how long I can stay upside down. It's still in my house. <laughs> I, still I still have the inversion table, but 
I probably <clears throat> won't be jumping back into that on a regular basis until we have to drink six, summer of 2019. Six Iron Cities, and then we do it. Oh, God, that would be really Let's bad. Let's do it. <laughs> see if we can make it. We'll video it. Todd, you can do yeah. it. I'll do it. Six, uh, six pack and then hang upside six pack, out. You and Todd, six pack. That's the ultimate Flip dizzy bat right there. Six pack challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the six pack challenge. That's our new thing. Drink six <laughs> beers and then get an inversion table. I don't know if that's Invented here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> hey, want to uh, talk about some things that are going on. Some, well, you know, as we know, the show is always about weird stories I find uh-huh. and the guys find. Uh, one of the w- weird things I saw on, on the, this uh, on the some cable station, I don't know if it was HBO or what. It was like a little documentary thing, but uh, there, there's these company, this company, right, that's making a killing selling uh, lifelike dolls of I've women. Se- I've seen those yes. ma- I've seen those masks. And yeah. they're I or, I mean they're fifteen thousand dollars yeah. to twenty five thousand you can get. I guess it's like a car, you can get extras. But the, the dolls <laughs> are synthetic. They they look like women. Uh, they send them to you in this huge crate and you spend between, you know, say fifteen to twenty grand, whatever it is, yeah. whatever one you want. <clears throat> and they said that they're so lifelike uh, that there are actually people that are forming relationships with them. Yeah. They're so popular. They're really hot sellers. They said this company can't make them quick enough that people are buying them. And there, there are a couple people that married their doll. Yeah. Which kills me. That's hysterical, man. Isn't it? That was the route I was going to go if I was still single by the time That's I was probably 40. what the thought is. Yeah. I feel like I have right? a relationship with my Alexa. Well, Alexa's... <laughs> I, I talk get, to her daily. I do, too. I get in arguments with her. She thinks I'm too needy. Mm. That's too many questions. <laughs> yeah, Alexa's like that's what I think it is. It's where we're going, right? With automation, yeah, Alexa, right you come to get the note. But the doll thing—could you imagine marrying a doll? That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I can see. A, I can see a Pittsburgh guy marrying a doll. I can see, you see it. It needs bar. Doll. Another fight with the old lady. <laughs> you know, <laughs> staring at me, gave me the stare. <laughs> I said, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> we have a good life. Couple beanie babies. Life's good. I don't know. So we got people marrying dolls and magicians shooting themselves in the face. Yeah, and so. hanging upside down and watching TV. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but that's just the weirdest thing. I just can't believe people do that. I guess I guess to each their own. Yeah. No one's getting hurt. But well, how is it a hot seller? How is it a big... I don't know anyone. I don't know. And my friends have a doll. Do you, you know anybody has a doll? No. I guess you wouldn't talk about that, right? Right. Like, you know, yeah, you're, 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 where do you buddies, keep it in your house? Go, oh, like, my God, my it, synthetic doll. sitting on your couch? you have one of those? <laughs> do you like bring it in the kitchen with you for breakfast? Like, how's that work? I would, yeah. See, that's what I mean. You would hide the doll because yeah. if you had a doll, that really cuts into getting a real woman. Because if you did go on a date with a real woman, she comes back to the place and she sees that doll. She sees her t- competition. No, I think she's seeing an exit in her yeah. mace. As soon as you see it, as soon as you see a doll, man, you're out. What, or, what? or her competitive, or she's going to get competitive and try to steal. I got to be like that doll. Joe Donardo, my buddy Joe Donardo, passed at 87 years old in uh, all of Pittsburgh morning that uh, we all grew up with Joe if you're probably in their th- mid 30s or whatever and yeah. up you know who he was and if you you heard of him if you're younger out there obviously he came to your school as a that kid was it. May have came, came, yeah, yeah, came to my school that, that I remember was, him he came to your school oh, yeah. Cho- uh-huh. and, and chopper really? four. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah Joe but he came you come to your school yeah same he Valentine's. Came to your school too. he came to St. Valentine's I was in St. Albert's oh, he came god. to St. Albert's oh my god that's I, so funny I yeah. got his autograph as he was running to the mm. the chopper really yeah I said Mr. Donari can I have your autograph I had a little notepad yeah that was, that was like, the that was like a big thing, thing when the chopper pulled up how rock stars that <laughs> I don't know it was pretty cool how rock stars that he it was like so weather. Kanye West he's, it was yeah he was cooler than Kanye you know just dropping in in a helicopter 
saying hey and just jumping right I, back out, man. I have a one re- weird story with Joe. You should have, t- you should have ten like Yeezys. We should make Donardos. D- Donardos, <laughs> yeah. You have a, I, have a, I have a good Donardo story. You have one? I have yeah. a, I, my Donardo story is really quick. I happen yeah, to, yeah, he, he lived in Moon. Uh, yeah. And I, when I, I went to Robert Morris University, and I stayed with a friend once out uh, out there b- between uh, one night. And the next day, I was, it was pouring rain. I remember it was pouring rain, and I was backing out of the driveway, and I went a little too far, and I went into the neighbor's yard. I got, I got stuck, and <laughs> okay. I started, like, spinning my tire. And eventually, you know, it caught, and I, I got out. I got out and back on the street and went down. But my friend called me. He said, hey, man, uh, just you can add this to the list of crap you've done. He goes, you just turfed Joe Donardo's lawn. <laughs> so I was like, oh, crap, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Did he come out and yell? No, I don't, I don't he know. He didn't, he didn't come out. It was quite a few years ago. A but <laughs> I didn't mean – I didn't know. I, but, yeah, I, I, I turfed his front lawn. He, uh, when I – Started, you know, on the radio the, the first year. And I come off the, the comedy club group and all that, and didn't know anything about radio and that I could get sued. I had no idea I could get sued on things. So my the first character I did before Stanley Pikachowski, before Ralph the Cat, before anything was was actually Joe Denart. Yeah. And the bit was usually I do the school visits sometimes in a bit, but sometimes I would do. Uh, the weather forecast for the week, which in Pittsburgh, you know, in Phoenix, Arizona, it's like sunny every day. But I used to do the, the, the weather. Partly cloudy skies in Allegheny County area. Chance of showers. Tuesday, <laughs> partly cloudy skies. Allegheny County area. Chance of showers. Wednesday, there will be partly cloudy skies. Chance of showers. So <laughs> I do this joke in, in for about six months. It gets popular. And... I'm asked to do the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And that's the first time I ever did a parade. I'm like, yeah, okay, what do I do? So we go up to the arena, 9 o'clock, blah, blah, blah. I'm up there. Yeah. And I'm up there, and I'm waiting. I'm standing. All of a sudden, somebody jumps on my back. It's Joe DiNardo. Gets <laughs> me in a headlock. He <laughs> that's goes, awesome. are you Jim Crin? I go, yes, sir. He goes, I hear you're making fun of me on the radio. <laughs> I, go, I go, oh, yeah, I'm just joking. He said, my lawyers don't think it's very funny. <laughs> he says, I think I'm going to sue you for everything you have. I go, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Drum. I'm so sorry. He goes, I'm just messing with you. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, Joe said it when I'm rolling. <laughs> That's awesome. And we became friends. Every- <laughs> but yeah, his sense of humor was tremendous, man. Funny guy. Nice man. And I got to know him uh, through the years. I had lunch with him in his house from time to time. Uh, I asked him, but he was a weatherman. He did crazies. Like, he was a meteorologist, man. Like, if you're a weather person, you just you, you just get a little certificate, you'd be a weatherman. Yeah. He was a real meteorologist. Yeah. And he did things like he flew into hurricanes and things like that, man. Was, and one of the things he did was he he, uh, he said the, the tornado in Mount Washington mm-hmm. was the craziest yeah. thing he'd ever seen weather-wise. <laughs> Remember that? I do, yeah. yeah. About 14 or 15 years ago now. It was crazy. He said, because you can't have, you weren't supposed to have tornadoes in Pittsburgh. He said, right. so it was fascinating from a meteor- meteorological standpoint. Not, man, it was man. It was fascinating for me, too, so I'll never forget the story. And you know the story, Leo. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love, I'm proud of Yinzer because of Yinzer cards, and all, but I'm just proud of Yinzer with Stanley P. But the ultimate Yinzer was on CNN that night because it was a national news story. And I'll never forget, they had a guy on CNN who claimed he saw the tornado in Pittsburgh form in Mount Washington, which I knew he mm-hmm. didn't. I knew it was just a guy who wanted to get on the news. There's nobody he saw <laughs> this thing form, right? And this little girl's like, you know, for me, Santa, and I had to be somebody to send out here, a stringer reporter. And she's like, and this guy was Pittsburgh out. I mean, one for the thumb cap, you know, Kenny with T-shirt. And it was <laughs> awesome. And he's like, sir, what did you see? And this guy goes, well, he's close up on his face. He's, <laughs> he's pointing down to the river. He's on my watch. He goes, first I saw Clyde. Because then I saw another Clyde. And he pauses, and the girl's looking at me. He goes, then I saw a funnel cake appear. 
Jesus is like, what? <laughs> Funnel cake. Only in Pittsburgh. But we'll miss Joe, man. Another icon. Yeah. You know, we'll never forget him, though. Forever. Forever. Yeah. It's cool. It's a cool thing. That's what, you know, it's funny, Lee. Uh, you and I have talked about this, but uh, we are, I've had opportunities in radio to leave a few times. You know, once you get some ratings and stuff, people courting you and things, and I've all had an opportunity to leave to do stand-up. But I've always w- didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to do that. I love living here. I love you know working in L.A. more now every couple months, but I love living here. And even if anything happened nationally, I still would live here. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you are the same philosophy. Same philosophy, yeah. I've gotten to tour around the country, and I spend lots and lots of times on the road and in hotels and... But at the end of the day, I, I made a decision that I wanted to be me- here. There's I wanted, something about yeah, the Yeah, I wanted city. to live here and hang out here and be able to not, you know, be able to go to Steeler games and Penguin games. And But when you're when you're an entertainer and you, and you work the road, you miss that stuff constantly. And so that that was always the, the biggest hurt or the biggest annoyance to the, to the career. Even though when you're a young entertainer, like doing the road and, you know, and doing that, you know, that's part of it. And yeah. that's how that's how you make you have the to living. Do it to learn a craft. So I wanted I wanted to switch that, and then a couple of years ago, uh, I decided that I wanted to create my own hometown show, mm-hmm. have my own residency in Pittsburgh. So I more or less started told my agent. I said, "Don't book me on the road as much, and I want to, you know, because uh, I was working on just staying here more and just working on working on my hometown show." And and that's essentially what I, I you know I did so. And that's how we had, came with the show that you have mm-hmm. right now and selling out every week. And that's cool. Cause I remember you coming up with that concept, and you're one of those guys who come up with concepts and you follow through and do it. Uh, a lot of people could don't do that, but yeah, yeah, that's the coolest thing, man. It's, it's about I think it's because of this community. Uh, you know, people here are loyal, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's amazing. It's oh. fantastic having that loyalty, yeah, isn't Pittsburgh, it? I'm so, I'm amazed the support that Pittsburghers bring out to yeah, the show. That's what the, the people listening know yep. that. I, that's, I, can't, I appreciate them so much. And, you know, I know you do too, that, mm-hmm. that loyalty. It's an amazing connection here in this city, man. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I'm glad I made the right decision. Absolutely made the right decision mm-hmm. staying here, man. You know, all the way. Yeah. All the way. And my, mine kind of came about from watching guys like, you know, the Chris Angels and the David Copperfields and the Penn and Tellers because they were performing, they are doing their residencies in, in casinos in Las Vegas. But at the end of the day, I always looked at a casino as just, it's just a hotel you gamble at. Well, it's transient. Yeah. yeah. And so. There's neighborhoods I, here. And, I yeah. was, and I'm thinking, well, why can't a magic show work here at a hotel in Pittsburgh? And so I went in, into that with that kind of that mentality. And when I was ready to, pro- you know, produce the show here. You know, I brought it to Hotel Monaco, and we've had a great relationship, and it has gone very, very well. So, I can't, I can't wait to see it again. I've already seen it. It's fantastic. You get a chance. Tell people how they get tickets. So you can get tickets at uh, com. You can always go to com or find you know find me on social media. I'm always mm-hmm. posting about upcoming uh, weekends and shows, and so you can get tickets there. And also, I have a show July 13th, Club Karma. Get those tickets now. Go to jimcren.com and or catch on my Facebook fan page in, in a special a Blooms. It's a Blooms produced show, uh, Blooms Cigars. So we're going to do the show at 8 o'clock, and Gene Collier is going to be a special guest. Oh, my buddy Gene. I haven't yeah, seen him in a while, so I can't wait to see Gene. You haven't seen him in a while? Come out and say hi to Gene Collier. But after the show, we'll do the show, you know, 90-minute show or so, and and then we're going to light up a cigar, get up on stage, and tell some stories. Yes. 
awesome. So my buddy Larry Richards is going to come by, so we're going to you know hopefully Lee if you're off or if you can get out after your show, we'll do for the cigar party anyway. We're going to do cigars. I know you're working the weekend, so it's a Friday. So it's July 13th. Hope everyone gets uh, tickets for that. It's coming up, and also Lee's is I know it's a. a certain months you're running the show it's it's going on now how long is it going to go for a while could people get tickets so, now for yeah, a while it's a residency it'll be there through the re- down through sometime right uh i have a few weeks that are you know that i have blacked out over the course of the summer just because i have other yeah you're on the road I, I a little still, bit here I and there still have a few keeping, you know shows here and there that I, others, I, had yeah. a, I have a block out the show but mm-hmm. other than that yeah i'm uh, i'm there i'm also on uh, pittsburgh today live once a month last monday of the month it's monday magic i go on and to always do a, a spot on television, uh, and then I'll sometimes I, you know drop do some radio here and there, but for the most part, uh, keeping it very Pittsburgh. You're the man. Thank a national, but a national act choosing to live here. I love that, Lee. You're the greatest. But thanks for doing the show, buddy. My pleasure, buddy. Thanks we, for having me. Thanks, brother. We a, uh, we have a, a another a cigar uh, icon here in Pitt. Well, the icon, I think, Rocky Patel, yeah. mm-hmm. who's a friend of Mark here at Blooms. Uh, his place, Burn Lounge, which is fantastic. It's on the North Shore. Uh, get a chance to go over there if you haven't gone there yet it's it's really f- amazing actually uh you, you go online take a take a look at that go, go look on look at burn it's like a nightclub it's, it's, it's a nightclub nice lounge for cigars, slash, yeah. i don't know what it is but it's like yeah it's like corner like a cool lounge nightclub or something like you're saying Lee. I, you can go relax with friends you can bring your wife or they have great food uh they have their selection of cigars uh, mm. you know all the rocky patel cigars there uh in in rocky Patel is one of those down-to-earth people I've ever met for being as famous as he is. He, I mean, in, in the cigar world, he's famous, and even outside of it now. I met, I met Rocky once at a, co- a corporate event, and it was a guy walking around handing out cigars, and he goes, hey, do you, he goes, do you want a cigar? And I said, I'd love one. He goes, you like Rocky Patel cigars? I go, oh, yeah, ex- I love Rocky Patel cigars. He goes, great to meet you. My name's Rocky Patel. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, wait, what? You're the guy handing them out? Like, how does this work? That's it. That's how yeah, this works. He is that he's guy. He's just a really good dude. Yeah. He fits perfect. See, he fits perfect in Pittsburgh. I he saw, picked any other I, city I, I got ours. to say hello to him very quickly mm-hmm. at when, on the opening of Burn. Cause I was there that night yeah. at Burn with you as well. Mm-hmm. And it was I thought it was pretty cool that uh, Rocky was just shooting the shit with me, you, and uh, uh, Mr. Rooney. Yeah. Mr. Rooney was there that Wasn't night. Wasn't it cool? Yeah. It, it was yeah. really cool, man. That's, 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 that's We love that's Pittsburgh, yep. buddy. And Rocky's becoming part of the city with Burn. And he was nice enough to sit down with me. I went over to Heinz Field, actually, uh, and met up with him. We were hanging they had a top, some kind of top golf event or something that Rocky uh, was over there, happened to uh, be, let me uh, sit down and talk to him and gave me a, a little interview. I'd like to play that for you right now. Here's Rocky Patel uh, to listen to right now uh, it, from Burns. Jim Cren, no restrictions. Jim Cren, no restrictions, hanging with uh, Rocky Patel, having, having uh, one of my Burn cigars. This was, uh, one of my newer favorite Rocky cigars. He has so many. R- R- Rocky, thanks so much, man. I always love when you're in Pittsburgh. It's great to be here. It's a great cigar town. we a great time with you guys, so glad to be on your show. You're a legend. Rock, how, how did you get started in, in the cigar business? How did you get started? Yeah, it was quite interesting. I was actually working in uh, Los Angeles and uh, as an attorney and then ended up working in the film financing and other business and... Uh, Met Schwarzenegger, Mel Gibson, Bruce Willis, Demi Moore, Harrison Ford, all these guys, and we were smoking cigars at the Grand Havana Room. And somebody approached me to make cigars as a hobby, and uh, I invested some money pretty soon. I invested way more than I ever wanted into this hobby, and I had to fire this guy because he was just burning through my money but not doing anything else. So next thing you know, um, you know, they said you can't make it. You're not Cuban. 
Uh, you're not Latin. This is a business that's typically handed down from generation to generation. You just can't get in the cigar business. So when somebody tells me I can't do something, they got my antlers up. So I went down to Honduras, Nicaragua, Dominican, in my spare time, spent seven years asking a lot of dumb questions, working in the farms and the curing and the fermentation, making thousands and thousands of blends to educate my palate. And then I got fed up with L.A. and the whole lifestyle and everything else. I got carjacked there, actually, and uh, just was tired of it. So uh, I decided to give up law. I started a law career, moved to Florida, literally started, like, out of my garage with three employees, and now we built it to, like, 2,500 employees. So it's been a lot of hard work perseverance, sacrifice. Uh, it's been an interesting journey, fun journey. It's, it's, it's like a gamble. It's like, it's like the music business, right? It's a gamble. Oh, all yeah. in. Oh, yeah. All in, man. All in. I was going to be a school teacher. <laughs> well, it is. Think at one point, you had to be sitting here going, am I crazy? Am I crazy for doing this? You had to have that thought. I did. There were times, you know, when I was at the beginning, I had other people making the cigars when we were called Indian Tobacco Cigar Company. And I'd make great blends, but invariably they'd cheat. They'd not ferment the tobacco long enough. They'd change the binder, the wrapper. And I'd spend my last $100,000 on getting a shipment. And I'd start smoking the cigars. They'd be so inconsistent. I wanted to cry. Like, why did I do this? I had a great career in law. You know, I went to law school. I had a successful business. Right. Why did I do this? And, I, you know, there were times I wanted to give up. But, you know, I finally persevered, persevered. We opened our own factory so we'd be in control of our own consistency, quality. And when I felt like I'd put the strictest quality control standards in place, that's when I put the name on our, my, my name on the cigars. And that's when we introduced the Rocky Patel Vintage Series and the Ed Series. So... Isn't it interesting, Passion. the power of a cigar? Look it at is. the type of people it brings together. It doesn't matter from a blue-collar person to a rock star to a comedian to a CEO of a company. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, that's the beauty in this day Facebook and Twitter when nobody actually has a conversation. You smoke a cigar and it brings people together. Hey, Rock, you just opened Burn. I love it. It's fantastic. I'm so happy you chose Pittsburgh to open this wonderful, wonderful night. Uh, a really cool lounge in the North Shore. The way I look at it, it's a beautiful, exotic lounge where you can have the privilege of smoking a cigar. So it's not necessarily a cigar lounge. So uh, the finishing, the design, the architecture, mind-blowing. You know, like I said, you know, you, you're here in Pittsburgh, and you could have chosen any city. Uh, that's why it's so cool. You know, tell me specifically, why Pittsburgh? Why, 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 why our city? Well, Pittsburgh's always been a great cigar-smoking town. And, you know, I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the other great football team is. Mm -hmm. And it's blue-collar, hard-working, good people. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought Pittsburgh needed some sort of exotic, cool place. And I just uh, I, I thought it would be a great location. Right, good. One, one Pittsburghese is, we wrap up, or just say, uh, say Yin's guy's got to come down to burn. Like <laughs> Yin's guy's got to come down to burn. There you go, Rocky. You're an official Pittsburgh. <laughs> Restrictions.